Hear the word of the Lord first in Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Then we hear also the word of our Lord in Matthew 19. Some Pharisees came to him, that is Jesus, to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. In the last couple of weeks in our stewardship series, we've taken a look at what it is to live in relationship in uh, the church. We've taken a look at what it is to live in relationship in community via government and our roles there. Today, as I announced at the beginning of the service, we're going to talk about family and the importance of your role in it. The topic has importance for everyone, whether you are a parent or a child, a husband or a wife, a brother or a sister, single or married, whether you have a large family or a very small family matters not, God is using family, your family, in profound and wonderful and mysterious ways. Think about your role uh, in, of the family, your particular role in the family, as opposed to your role in church or state. In the church, if you don't step up to a particular task, somebody probably will do it. Yeah, likewise, with respect to government, if you refuse to live as a good citizen, you may face some serious consequences, but I really don't think the wheels of government are going to come to a grinding halt just because you decide not to live in a right relationship with it. But your God-given role in the family can only be carried out by you, you alone. That's the way it works. That's the way God put it together. Husbands and wives are crucial Wives and mothers are essential as are husbands and fathers. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, all are gifts of God to one another. In your family, you are irreplaceable. The love and the honor shown between husbands and wives is precious in God's sight. Likewise, the obedience and honor shown from children to their parents is God's design and provides a multitude of blessings. 
Now, God doesn't leave us guessing when it comes to roles and responsibilities within the family. We, for example, learn in the fourth commandment that children should honor those in authority, and in particular, father and mother, their parents. Luther writes that God exalted the estate of parents above all others to be his representatives on earth. Nice summary statement of what Scripture teaches about parenting there. This means that parents deserve to be respected and obeyed despite their shortcomings and failings. Yeah, there is no perfect parent. And likewise, when parents get old, they should still be honored and if need be cared for. The honor and love of parents does not have an expiration date. Well, why? That's a question we always need to ask. There's lots of reasons, but the focus today, we could talk about a lot of other things, but what we want to focus in on today is as God's representatives, parents are the most important teachers their children will ever have. To parents, and especially to fathers, God gives the responsibility to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, what on earth does that mean? Well, God gives children so that parents can guide and teach them the Christian faith. Christian parents teach the Christian faith. This holy work begins by making sure that the family is regularly a part of receiving from God his gifts of grace as we gather together in the larger family, the church family and in Sunday school and Bible study. But this work is to continue at home as well, where parents are to teach and to talk God's word, to give an example of prayer and to teach that as well, to model Christ-like forgiveness and love. This is holy work, and it is most precious and pleasing to the Lord. Kids, uh, did you ever stop and think about you can't choose your parents? And parents didn't choose their children either. God gives us to one another. Isn't that amazing? Whether naturally born or adopted matters not. God created your family just as surely as he created Adam and Eve. Family is the crucial, critical foundation for human life in this world. And there is no more critical work than, as we have already said, that parents teach their children about Jesus. Now those of you who are currently married, do you realize that marriage is not entirely your own doing? You had a part in it, to be sure, but your marriage is a lot like that marriage of the first parents in paradise that we read of in the first uh, section from Genesis 2 that I read a moment ago. Well, how is that? Well, Adam and Eve were joined together by God. Guess what? God joined you to your spouse as well. It was in, with, and under, to borrow some of Luther's language from the catechism, that the courtship and dating, the engagement and the wedding all came together as God's hand was at work 
shaping your lives, drawing you together, and blessing you in this estate to love and be loved, to serve and to be served. Yours is truly a match made in heaven. Yeah, even on those rough days when it doesn't go so well. God's divine fingerprints are all over your marriage and family. After all, it is Jesus who describes marriage as what God has joined together. Jesus made that astounding claim about marriage in response to some Pharisees who wanted to give him the third degree about divorce. They wanted to trap him up. And then as now, divorce is a difficult and divisive topic. Someone is sure to get offended, and that's what the Pharisees were hoping for when they raised this topic with Jesus. But Jesus would have none of it. He took them back to the beginning, back to Genesis 2, and he reminded them that marriage is God's gift given for our good and for the good of the whole world. Only then did Jesus add, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Well, ever since the fall into sin, humans have been busy seeking to separate what God has joined, rejecting what God has given, radically revising and redefining God's gift of marriage to suit our own selfish desires and needs, to suit our own society's ways of doing things. When the Bible talks about the two becoming one flesh, it's more than just a figure of speech. It describes marriage as the closest human relationship that can possibly exist between two people. It is the union of a man and a woman in heart, body, and mind. Now that means that any sexual relationship between people who are not married is therefore harmful, destructive, and ultimately sinful. Why do we make a fuss about that? Well, it separates us from what our God created for good. That's why. Couples who live together without marriage are dishonoring marriage. And the God who gives marriage not to mention setting themselves up for all kinds of problems in the future. And by the way, God's truth about sexuality is not just for the young, it's for the AARP crowd as well. No one gets a pass. God gives his truth about marriage because he loves us and because he wants what's best for us. He's the one who created us. He's the one who knows how we work best. And his truth about marriage contains no loopholes, exceptions, or exclusions. Well, let's get real for a minute. Do we always do this? Any of this that I've talked about so far. God's truth about marriage, in reality, condemns us all. We've all dishonored marriage in our thoughts or our words or our deeds or any combination of those three and more. So what do we do with this difficult truth? Well, we can go on excusing our sin. We can try to hide our sin. 
We can blame our sin on others by trying to tell us ourselves, convince ourselves that, well, that's what everybody's doing. Or, and this is a really big or, or we can confess our sin to God and, and this is a really big and, receive his full and free forgiveness. That's what it's really all about. For then and only then can we daily make the changes that we need to make with the power of God's grace. God's forgiveness is real and it's total and complete and it is powerful. But God's forgiveness is never permission to go on living, deluding ourselves, thinking that sin does not matter. In the scriptures, God gives us a picture of the one perfect marriage in this world. It's the marriage of Christ. Jesus, the groom, the church, his bride. And we are the church, and thus we are the bride of Christ. Christ Jesus bore our infidelities and sins. He took them all. took them all upon himself in the, on the cross. He took our sin bodily, not only all the way to the cross, but into the grave as well. It went with him. That shameful load was buried and left there forever in the tomb of Jesus so that when he rose in victory, we could be sure and certain of God's love, God's care, God's forgiveness. There are no scarlet letters to be worn by those redeemed by Christ the crucified. Husbands and wives, those of you who are married, God gave you your marriage partner. But, and, and remember this, God doesn't make mistakes. We do, but God doesn't. That doesn't mean your spouse will always be your best friend or that your spouse will always make you happy. That doesn't mean that every marriage is going to be uh, a marriage of happiness and joy. As a matter of fact, sometimes it is necessary in this world because of sin for people to separate. No one can ever be that spouse that always makes you happy, but we can always confess our sins to God and to one another, and then we have an ever-present help. For the God who joins husbands and wives together is surely willing, ready, and able to provide every marriage with the help and healing, the hope and the joy that they need. The question is, are we willing to work for, to look for, to ask for that help and then to receive that help as a gift of God by his grace for Jesus' sake. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, the scripture tells us. Whether single or married, with the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God, all things are possible. God designed to give, nurture, and protect human life through the family. And we're all part of a family. And through family, through your family, God is doing some of his very best work. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.